Hello, everyone. We are now live. Hello, wherever you are. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Alshandr, Alice, Chris, and Stefano, our guests for today. Thank you for joining us for another Climate Talk by Puerto Protocol. We are an international foundation on a mission to build an open platform of climate solutions spread across the wine value chain based on collaborative sharing. You see, we have this enormous ambition to act as a climate, uh, as a catalyst, I'm sorry, for climate action within the wine world. Every day we are learning how to make this happen, but to achieve it, to make it meaningful, we need our members spread across the wine value chain from different wine regions, different sizes and different stages of climate action to share with this growing community what they are doing. We are not looking for perfection, we are looking for action. So take this as an invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you and we are a click away. Now, these climate talks like the one we have today are one of our ways to achieve this mission of ours. Having people from different regions, profiles, companies, share with our community their experiences, the best they have done and that they know. And as an introduction to this topic on measuring carbon footprints to, for small wine growers, Let's start with the basics and with very simple words. Now, we know the planet is warming at unprecedented speed to unprecedented temperatures and that life as we know it is at stake. This warming is caused by the emissions of greenhouse gases caused by human activities being the most potent, most potent methane and carbon dioxide. And whether we are talking about individuals, a city or wine production, our carbon footprint is the measure the estimate of greenhouse gases we are releasing through this activity. And to reverse this trend, we need to reduce and remove carbon from the air. Different wine producing regions have adapted different forms of carbon tracking. There are various tools available worldwide to calculate your carbon footprint, various costs, various approaches. You can measure your carbon footprint per product or for the whole business. You can measure scope one and two, that is your direct and indirect emissions that arise from your operations, or you can also add scope three, which includes all the other indirect emissions that occur in a company's value chain. And when we talk about wine value chain, what we know about its carbon footprint is actually central, beginning with a glass bottle, that together with its transportation, uh, these factors account for almost half of it, other elements come into play, such as, for example, uh, fossil fuel consumptions, carbon emitted during fermentation, and so on. But there is so much we can do to reduce this and sequester carbon along the production cycle, no matter the size of your company. So if a business is to reduce its carbon footprint, the first step is to calculate it, or is it not? But we'll leave this discussion to our guests that I'm going to start introducing to you. Now, we thought that the best way to understand which are the doubts that you as a producer might have was to choose a producer as a host. So we met Alshandra a few months ago, and uh, I, I believe and I'm sure you agree that listening and asking questions is one of the best ways to learn. And uh, Alshandra sounded as uh, particularly eager to learn to be in this position. He's uh, the winemaker and um, CEO at Casa Helvas in Alentejo, in Portugal. He's 
followed by Chris Foss. Chris is, was a producer many years ago. He was a professor of viticulture also during many, many years. So he understands the wine production thoroughly. But most of all, the reason why he's here today is because he's now the chair of Sustainable Wines of Great Britain. And they did a lot of work in building a carbon footprint, uh, carbon footprint calculator that is actually free and available, we must say tailored for wine production, for wine businesses. And he's, so he has all this knowledge that he accumulated by studying what other tools are available and what are the challenges and benefits producers are experiencing as he is, he is experiencing this process as we speak as uh, with the sustainability program in Great Britain. And then we have Alice. Alice is from New Zealand. She, uh, we must say that Alice was recommended to us by Edwin Macy from Wines in New Zealand, and we can understand why. First of all, she's a really small wine producer. I mean, she couldn't be better fitted to this call because she does produce 9,000 bottles, okay? But on the other hand, she has measured her carbon footprint, and she's, um, how should I say, she's really passionate about what we should do for climate and for our carbon footprint in our business. So she fits all the, all the requirements we could have uh, and you'll see how passionate she is about this. And then we have Stefano from Italy. Stefano is from Equalitas, which is a sustainability program from, uh, from Italy. And again, because of this program, um, they have as an, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a mandatory requirement for producers to measure their carbon footprint Again, Stefano knows many producers with this reality that face this rea reality of measuring the carbon footprint from small producers to big producers. So I think we have a wonderful uh, set of guests here as, here as usual. Hopefully they'll be able to answer your questions. And without further ado, Olshan, the stage is yours and I'll disappear for now. Thank you for being here. Hello, Marta. Thank you very much for the invitation. Hello, everybody. It's a pleasure to have you all here. So to begin this conversation, I will make a, a small question to all of you. Maybe I will give the stage to Alice as uh, the only girl uh, on the speakers. And my question is, what are the benefits for an organization in measuring the carbon footprint? How does it impact uh, the relationship with the stakeholders? And what's the importance nowadays for the consumers? Alice? Chris? No, no, I think it's Alice is answering it. Yeah. Oh, it's me that answering yeah. Alice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that it's an important responsibility for all of us producers that are doing the right thing to communicate an honest and transparent message to our customer around the scope in which our, um, our carbon offsets include. So there is an opportunity, I think, to confuse our customers because there's such a broad range of what is defined carbon neutral, what is defined carbon positive, um, what's going through carbon reduce, 
you know, um, and what that even means to a customer. Why should they pay more or why should they choose your wine because you are doing these things? Um, so beyond, you know, going through your carbon reduce and doing all of the right things and your offsetting, it needs to make sense to the customer. Now, I can only speak for New Zealand, um, but in the past, there have been rocks thrown at uh, those that have gone down the carbon neutral route or are doing the right thing because there is no transparency of where that money for those carbon offsets go. So for instance, you've paid money to offset your carbon footprint for a certain product, but that's that, you know, you're paying $7 or $8 or whatever it is, but the customer doesn't know where that's going or how that is making the planet a better one. So um, the technology is getting better um, and is something that we can now rely on um, but it needs to be traced all the way back to the customer. So now when my customers buy a wine from my website and they choose to offset, this is not compulsory, but they can choose to offset, they'll get a certificate to tell them exactly where the carbon offset's gone and how this is making the planet a better one. And I think that's a really important thing in terms of building trust within the market because we can be doing all of the right things but if our customers at the end of the day don't buy into what we are doing, is it, you know, um, yeah, they need to be involved. That's right. And I, I, yes, we've got to, we're producing a luxury product, a product which people enjoy for all sorts of reasons, you know, and there's, there's many facets, different facets to wine quality. And I think sustainability is becoming an increasingly important one. You know, so customers are, are looking for products that, harm you know, that, that have a positive impact if you like on uh on climate change and on biodiversity and so on so as an industry um you know, we've really got to get to grips with this uh we've really got to encourage people to measure you know our, our producers to measure their carbon footprints to try and reduce them as much as possible and to communicate that to our uh to our customers so it's it's absolutely vitally important for us to you know, for us as an industry to do this. And I think also um, something that needs to be included in terms of like the stakeholders. Historically, it's always you know, and I've, I'm only talking from my experience. There's been the winery or the vineyard department, you know, and those those teams are, they care about sustainability in New Zealand particularly. They are care they they care about reducing the passes through their vineyards. They are quantifying, um, you know, the amount of um, you know agrochemicals that they're using. They are um, trying as much as they can to reduce the amount of water required. All of those things, and then the same thing. And there's a really well embedded sustainability culture within the winery too. Um, around reducing waste and uh, operational efficiency. So sustainability. But then where I think that sustainability kind of falls, you know, or, you know, falls off the tracks is where it comes to marketing. Because they think, oh, you know, it's just some, you know, it's just some ploy that they've got going on. They, they don't really do that, really. Do they? You know, and so I don't think that the marketing teams actually trust what is actually happening out in the wineries and vineyards. And I think that in terms of reducing our entire carbon footprint, marketing and sales play a big role in this. 
because you know they can reduce our carbon you know a lot of our carbon footprint is in our packaging and our route to um, market so we need to bring them in as major stakeholders and it can be as simple as reducing the bottle weight you know Um, it could be as simple as provisioning and taking care about where do your labels come from are they fsc are they recyclable have they got heaps of um, adhesives that can't, you know, be um, recycled and end up in landfill. All of those kinds Alice, of things. We 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 go to those all those points a little bit uh, after. I would ask Stefano if you want to say something about this. Uh... Yeah. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Well, as said by Marta, let me. 30 seconds to introduce myself because I'm representing Equalitas, that is a sustainability project led by FederDoc. FederDoc is the confederation of the wine PGIs, voluntary consortia here in Italy. So it's basically uh, producers that are behind us. And five years ago, uh, FederDoc decided to sum up several initiatives uh, uh, to provide um, an innovative solution. That is to say, a a certification scheme for sustainability in the wine sector. Uh, So we are a a so-called standard owner. We do not certify. We do not make consultancy. We work with with, uh, certification bodies that we accredited. And our protocol is uh, exhaustive because it works on the three pillars. Uh, So uh, we we have to face... uh, uh, both good practices and indicators, but carbon footprint, of course, is one of the mandatory requirements that uh, wineries have to face. So uh, I'm sure I will learn a lot tonight because uh, the other panelists are much more experts than me uh, on the issue. But I, I can say something based on an experience that is becoming wider and wider because there are uh, so many companies that are seeking uh, a sustainability certification. I I might uh, uh, try to answer to one of your questions, which are which are the benefits. Uh, um, if I if I have to be uh, to be fair, the wine sector in Italy is particularly fragmented. Uh, we have a, a very few large companies, and uh, with this assumption, when we started some years ago to ask company to measure their Campbell footprint, uh, they hardly understood what we are talking about. But uh, the the best trick, uh, let's use this word, uh, was uh, uh, to link the need for measurement uh, with uh, uh, a need for rationalization. So not only uh, to the environmental sensitivity, the fact of having to record the use of fuel, for example, meant uh, that the farmer got into the habit uh, of turning off the tractor every time uh, he went down, of that workers in the cellar adopted the habit of turning, uh, switching off the light uh, every time they were leaving a room. And such uh, uh, actual benefits of measuring the carbon footprint become, uh, can become uh, uh, really wide. Just one more example. Uh, because to avoid wasting time recording uh, the necessary data, one winery 
uh, thought about installing monitoring devices for electricity consumption in the cellar, in the winery. Uh, this has led to uh, interesting side effects because uh, uh, it, uh, it has allowed the winery to identify waste. Uh, it was noticed, for example, that uh, the compressors were working uh, overnight or on during the weekends. And by spending uh, like uh, $100 on a timer, this winery now saves like uh, $60,000 per year. So measuring the carbon footprint uh, has become more enjoyable in that case. Yeah. We all know that not uh, international standard for the, the carbon footprint measurement. Even in each country, or there's more than one. Um, it's quite hard sometimes to 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 make a benchmark and compare exactly the same thing uh, if you have two different uh, standards. So for for the small companies that can be a problem because it's a, a high investment. Uh, do you think, in generally, generally speaking, that it can, the, the carbon footprint measurement, it should be something made by a producer on his own or by a region or a, a, a commission or a, a group uh, with all the, the a, a group of producers? Together. Well, I think that you know that an industry needs to find the best carbon calculator for its uh, for its purposes. You know, one that's specifically well, one that's backed up with a lot of references. For instance, I mean, ours has got uh, thirty-five different references that uh, qual that qualify the um, you know the, the carbon footprint of each item on uh, the uh, that we use on our calculator. Um, I think it's also important to have a carbon calculator that uh, includes sequestration because uh, you know, there's a lot that growers can do, not just to reduce the amount of uh, carbon they release, but also the, increase the amount of carbon they capture. So sequestration is really important. But trying to compare even within an industry and set standards is very very difficult because of the range of sizes of operations so that you know the larger the press the more efficient it is from an electricity point of view for instance and uh, you know th th there are a lot of efficiencies which you can make on larger vineyards but you know that there are other things that smaller vineyards can do I think the, the most important thing is to have people measure their carbon footprints, to understand it, to understand the different components of it, and then to compare themselves with, you know, with like vineyards and get other ideas from, from vineyards with, uh, in the same community and uh, try and reduce their, their carbon footprints and increase the level of carbon sequestration and you know, sort of exchange ideas about ways of doing that. And, uh, you know, we have a, I mean, for us, for instance, in UK wineries from our members, uh, the bottle weight is 70% of the carbon footprint, uh, which is huge. Uh, I mean, we're sparkling wine producers generally, so, you know, that, that uh, uh, makes quite a bit of difference. Um, and so that's something which, you know, we, we, we could do some more work on. Um, but there are other industries that have different, you know, different methods of production, and uh, 
uh, you will have to focus on different areas of their carbon footprint. Yeah, yeah. and to add on that, I think that it's important to do your own thing within your winery, but at the end of the day, the science is irrespective of where in the world you are, your bottle is your highest carbon footprint. And then that's followed by transportation. And so let's just tackle the big fish first, mm. you know, like it doesn't matter where in the world you are, these are issues not unique to any one wine producer. So um, reducing our bottle weight is a very good start. I think there's a lot of work to start reinforming those customers that actually the heavier the bottle doesn't actually mean that the wine is any higher quality. Um, but that is a major misconception and it's up to us as wine producers to bring those sommeliers. I think there's a lot of great sommeliers um, and masters of wine out there that can verify this. You know, Jancis Robinson is a big one for reducing bottle weight. Um, so yeah, we, we do have, um, you know, there are all these different standards, but the issues that affect one wine producer, you know, even little ones like me, are still relevant for those big producers too. That's true. And, and it's some, sometimes uh, it's... Sorry, sorry. Uh, may I add something on this? Because it's uh, your question. Uh, you need to. Better. Yeah, it's better alone or better together. No, sorry, because I I feel involved uh, with this because Federadoc is the union of the PGIs. So to stimulate aggregation is within our our vision. And uh, I would like to present briefly uh, our case study. Um, it's a very difficult challenge, but uh, hopefully rewarding. And uh, it's the Prosecco PGI. It's that... Uh, not very well known and very little PGI. No, sorry, it's the, 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 the largest PGI in Italy. So it's huge. And we are trying here to certify the entire territory. With the need so to involve also the smallest farm uh, that governs a few hectares. So we face a huge amount of data to manage. And that's why we are pushing for uh, uh, an aggregation and also a digitalization project that requires, of course, a, a burden that is commensurate to the size of the parties involved. But uh, um, the idea here is that the consortium that act as the manager and the large wineries uh, will be equipped with a, a carbon footprint calculator. What the real news is that the, the, uh, uh, through an online management of information, uh, the farmers uh, will be involved and uh, now in the pilot it's 300, but it will be by the end of the year 6,000. Uh, 6,000 farmers will only be asked to enter the data that they have always recorded. The difference is that uh, until now they have done it through uh, paper. Now we, they will have a software where to enter phytosanitary treatments and um, the other data that are required for the carbon footprint, but uh, they will so ask to, to do nothing different than before but with a lot of advantages because uh, softwares provide uh, alerts if a shortage time is not uh, respected, if a prohibited uh, active principle is used and so on. And then uh, uh, without uh, uh, further stress, also, they will have collected data needed for carbon footprint. 
apparently it is a paradox, but the fact that uh, there is such a big amount of data uh, pushed us, forced us to think different. Because I know so many cases where uh, a single one single winery uh, needs to measure the carbon footprint. They call uh, one consultant that has a eco invent license, and he asked uh, the company to uh, to collect data in several ways, but usually not in a very I mean not using IT, uh, just collecting paper to put the data on an Excel, and then there's a, a further uh, imputation in the software. Uh, this time, the fact that the challenge is huge has pushed us to think differently. And in this case, uh, I can't be sure because we are at, at the beginning, but together is better than alone. Yeah, here we, we had talked a lot with about the bottles and um, the bottles, I think it's, if we see the business like seven, eight years ago, the, it was crazy the, the kind of bottles we we all used to to use and uh, and sometimes i was discussing that with marta yesterday uh, sometimes that the bottle and the, tra the transport is sometimes uh, uh, what make me feel that the scope tree is not very fair with the producer with the farmer and the, the, the wine producer because those are things that it's not your choice. I, I sell my product or you sell your product X works, then the, trans, the, the client can, can travel the wine by boat or by, by truck or even by plane. And uh, when you think about your product footprint, you are considering that and when it's not your choice. But I think it can give a, a conversation for another conversation so uh, once uh, uh, we producers or organizations we measure our carbon footprint we made already uh, an investment and uh, sometimes a hard work of collecting data etc but we are not certified and certification is sometimes it's, it's quite expensive and to be on the market as carbon neutral or carbon measured, if you want, or assessed, we need a certification. And for me as producer, I think a lot of times, should I spend that money in certification or should I spend that money in technology or planting some trees or to reduce my carbon footprint or even to catch some carbon what's your opinion about certifications spend the money in certification or spend the money to to achieve your goal to be neutral i just say i mean the sustainability scheme that we have in uh, in the uk doesn't work so much on setting standards what it does is it set it, it, it uh, its members engage in a continuous improvement cycle so they have to record uh, data like the amount of diesel they use or the amount of electricity they use and then then, and then they have to evaluate we we're establishing a, a data repository a sort of online system whereby they can put this uh, input this data which will then benchmark it against the other members 
And uh, then, uh, but the important thing is that they can then evaluate their, uh, you know, the, the amount of inputs they're using and the processes they're using and put a, a three-year plan into place where they can reduce their carbon footprint, for instance. So it's a dynamic system. What we're, we're trying to say, you know, look at what you're doing and make it better. Now, from that point of view, getting a certification doesn't really make sense because, you know, you're trying new things. You're you're doing, uh, you know, you're, you're um, trying on a continuous improvement cycle. Um, plus, uh, every year is different, of course. You know, uh, we all know in vineyards that there are some years where uh, you're doing a lot more tractor work than others. You know, and things get a lot more complicated. And there are some wines which are more difficult to to work with, you know, because of because of difficult years. So I can understand, you know, certification in very large um, wine houses where, you know, the sort of the, uh, the different factors are evened out, if you like, over because it's a you know, multi-site and because the processes are, are, are very refined. But I can't really see um, accurate certification on uh, from the point of view of smaller growers. The only thing I would say is that uh, you could, for instance, say that your vineyard is carbon positive. So, you know, and, uh, I mean, we've just had the results of our uh, sustainable, of our carbon calculator members for 2020, and 60% of our vineyards are carbon positive. And so, you know, that's, that's something good to say. But to go beyond that and give an actual carbon footprint per bottle of wine I don't think it's a is something which smaller growers should go for. Uh, I've got a few things. Are you? No, you go, Stefano. Oh, you first. You are the lady. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, um, what I'm gonna um, I'm actually quite proud to talk about like sustainable wine growers in New Zealand. Um, Already 96% of our vineyards belong to Swins or sustainable wine growers and 90% uh, of the wineries, 90% oh, of the vineyards belong to them. So massive adoption in sustainable wine growers here in New Zealand and I'm not sure if you are well versed with how we do things in New Zealand but in the last 12 months everything is now quantitative. So come to the end of the year, we are going to be very well versed as an industry to say this is what our this is every one wine producer can say this um, this is how many kilowatts of um, power we used, this is how many liters of water we use, how many liters of diesel, so on and so forth. So every single vineyard and winery that belongs to Swins will naturally go into their own carbon reduce program should they choose. But also as an industry, that information or that data is really valuable for us because we can say as an industry, this is um, our estimate, a very close estimate uh, carbon footprint. We can break that down to regions and we could possibly, even particular in Marlborough, break that down into varietals. 
I think this makes it an equal playing field for all producers irrespective of size because you can compare your own benchmark to the regions and then you can take it one step further and compare it to the national average. Um, that's going to be a game changer because that's the hardest thing for wine producers and one of the biggest roadblocks for people to not offset is because capturing that data is so hard. It's actually getting way more accessible. Even within the last six months, I have seen that my bottling company start reporting on the carbon footprint of just the bottling and packaging that I'm using. That makes my data more accurate. So I think there is a very fine balance between science, which is the accuracy and the common sense or the, you know, being able to actually create some action. Now, the barrier is getting overly complicated with, um, you know, very, very accurate life cycle assessments. How important is that? And we need to start weighing that up. How important is the accuracy over the action? So my approach for 362 is I've got my life cycle assessment to 80%. I am working really hard at making that more accurate as I go, but 80% accuracy based on benchmarks within New Zealand and 10 global wineries. I then offset to 200%, bang, I've, you know, I've made an impact. And it should be that pragmatic. And as any, any wine producer in this um, seminar or any wine producer in the world can now do that. Yeah, uh, we are not as massive, or not yet, at least not not, not as massive as New Zealand. But uh, well, working for a certification scheme, I uh, I can't say anything but uh, long live certification. I do believe in it. It's uh, it's important because it's objective evidence, but also because uh, uh, every claim without a certification can be seen as a greenwashing. Uh, every action. Uh, if you don't know the overall result. Um, and also, uh, I have a statistic somewhere that uh, just because a company decides to measure the carbon footprint and they measure electricity, basically they save 4% of, uh, uh, of electricity just because they know that they are uh, uh, under a measurement. Um, uh, so definitely uh, pro-certification attitude. Uh, I can see a lot of interesting uh, questions coming uh, out from the audience, Alexander. So yeah, when you right. think it, I, I yeah, but I something that I also want to 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 share. We are the the world runs too fast nowadays, and this carbon thing we're discussing today it's something quite new, but something that I believe that will be mandatory for the companies quite soon. It's. Uh, something that it's uh, not on the first beginning but will be will need to be uh, carbon neutral quite soon and for example uh, we see one of the biggest gas and oil companies in the world being carbon neutral which is quite strange i you don't scare that did uh, it become a big big business in selling carbon uh, uh, carbon credits to to offset the the company's uh, carbon footprint. I beg your pardon. 
Can you repeat the question, please? It, 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 some, some, uh, sometimes I think that it can can become a you instead of helping the world, it can become a huge business. The 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 the, the dealing of uh, CO2 credits. So the the companies they make what they need to do, and then they buy credits of carbon. Sometimes it's necessary evil. I mean, they you know that's uh, for you know for transportation companies, for instance. Um, you know, it's difficult to transport uh, wine uh, you know, from one place to another without um, generating greenhouse gases. So, you know. So buying credit, or you know, is, is a perfectly offsetting that using a commercial company uh, is not a problem. But I think what's um, you know, what, what's interesting is what producers themselves can do, uh, you know, quite simply by you know planting more trees and hedgerows and uh, increasing the organic matter level of their soils and things like that. And uh, uh, you know, they, they might not have to uh, resort to carbon offsetting. Um, if they explore you know, all the possibilities. For instance, the main offset for wineries in the UK is uh, exporting electricity to, to the national grid. A lot of them have got solar panels on the ceilings or, or on their roofs. And in the UK, um, you know, if you're not using the electricity, you're actually supporting it. You know, you're, you're actually sending it on to the national grid. And that means that you know, we count that in our carbon calculator as, as offsetting uh, against the electricity they're using. So you know, things like that are, are, are really important. You, know, you, you look at those things first, you know, you look at what you can do yeah, on your own you, vineyard and winery. Yeah, it's, of course, you do it, but uh, there's a, a, a company can be very high, very, uh, very, very, uh, uh, how do you say? A company can have all the emissions they want, and, and then they buy credits, and uh, the world will not be better because a company spend money in credits. Because we know that credits can be a lot of different things than uh, forest or than the organic matter on the soils. Alice. Yeah, I've got a few things to say about that, actually. Um, firstly, we need to acknowledge that at the moment, it's not an equal playing field because our vines that sequester, and they sequester at quite a high rate, don't get counted under the Paris Agreement. Our soil, you know, um, Chris was talking about how we can increase um, the organic matter in our soil to capture more carbon. Also not counted in the Paris Agreement. So I think there's a lot of science that needs to happen within the wine industry to quantify the sequestration rates within our vineyards and also our soil. So we can start that offset process within our, um, our own wine industry because they are major resources that at the moment cannot be used. Now, I support three carbon projects um, um, purchasing my carbon credits through Carbon Click, and they 50% of those are New Zealand. They are a lot more expensive than the international credits because they're in less demand. Um, but they make me feel good about doing all of this carbon offset um, work 
because it makes me feel good as a business owner that I'm contributing to native reforestation projects here in New Zealand. I'm helping beautify New Zealand. That makes me feel good and all of this work and none of this work is that easy. Um, it's that rewarding factor. Then we also need to start looking at the international um, credits. And at the start, I didn't really want to support the international credits, but I've quickly changed my mind. Now, those um, I support a, a biofuel uh, project in China and a wind farm in India. Those credits are a lot cheaper, but they're making a big impact you know, in those those areas where it makes me feel good also supporting those projects because we're now enabling power and renewable power that we take for granted in New Zealand. 85% of our power in New Zealand is renewable. The rest of the world don't have those things. We take that for granted. So we need to start looking at it as a lens of, okay, it's not just actually just a credit, it is actually um, reducing the carbon footprint in other parts of the world. Yeah, they they know <laughs> they know a lot of things about this now. But I I think that well, actually working with uh, farmers and wineries, I do not know any winery that uh, uh, buys credit. But I think that to buy credit is part of the game unless we think that there is an international plot and that everybody that uh, buy, buys credit is cheating i think it is part of the game and as alice said there are projects and other projects but yes nothing against i i i don't have nothing against that but uh, i first time here at i'll, I'll tell a little bit my my story uh, first time casa Rovers made uh, our carbon footprint measurement. We did it very okay. And we made only, we, we have winery and forest and uh, other activities, but we made only the wine. And uh, at the end they say, okay, this is your numbers. Now you can uh, invest in a, a forest in Uganda or a school in Rwanda. And I said, no, I, I can do a school, but I do it here at São Miguel de Machete in Portugal. Ah, so that's not possible. And sometimes it, it sounds a bit, bit strange, you know? Uh, it, and my question is, in, in Europe, are all the forests and biodiversity hotspots hot on the explander? No. Why not invest in our own countries and in that was my, my, my question. We, we have a, a few questions from people which are uh, uh, here with us tonight. Uh, we have Chris straight for you from Alan Chubb. Uh, you, have, you have the question now in front of you. Uh, let's see, from Alan Chubb? No. Yeah. Uh, he says that uh, he's organic in UK, yep. using the UK carbon footprint calculator as a grower, and he was positive, but when he included the marketing transport, he went negative. And he asked local sales or national sales, sales which way to go? I'm sorry, I'm just... I, I, I... 
can't see the question. It's on the Q and A. Yep, I can. I, I'm on the Q and I'm on the chat. Ah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. Alan's from Canada. You come with you know, positive stuff. Marketing transport. I'm in negative. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> I think that certainly if you want to reduce your carbon footprint, local sales are, are the best, but uh, that's not always possible. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a big problem, you know, because uh, people want to, um, you know, not want to sell beyond their local area and they want to export and that's absolutely fine. Uh, but, you know, in that case, as I said, when you're talking about transportation, often it's done by uh, another company, by a transport company or a, a, a large retailer. And uh, very often they will have carbon offsetting schemes uh, that will cope with that, that will, uh, that will deal with that. But, you know, I mean, there are ways of reducing your, um, you know, your uh, uh, carbon footprint uh, of transporting wines, for instance, a, a very large proportion of wine consumed of, of Australian wine and New Zealand wine consumed in the UK is transported in very large containers and bottled on, bottled in the UK, uh, which makes a lot of sense from a carbon footprint point of view. Um, you know, but uh, you, know, you, you find your market where you can really. Another question for you, Chris. Uh, is again, there any website or publication to see what Chris says about carbon positive vineyard? Well, we let, let me just qualify that a little bit. When I say our vineyards are carbon positive, that's not including the wineries. Okay, so uh, the uh, um, you know this is just the just the vine growing unit. In actual fact, our uh, our wineries overall are their mean net emissions about eighty six tons uh, per year of, of carbon dioxide equivalents. But it does vary quite a lot. Um, I mean, we are a new scheme. Uh, we've only been running for a year. Uh, at the moment, uh, you know, the, all, all our members have to calculate their carbon footprints. All this information will be processed, will be benchmarked, and will be published. But at the moment, we can't publish what we've got because, uh, you know, the, the, the figures are just not reliable enough. Um, you know, it's just so... All I can say is, is wait. I've got a, a research student working on this, and we hope to publish something in at least by September uh, with better figures uh, looking at the UK and the carbon footprints of vineyards and wineries within that region. Uh, another one for Chris, but I think this is for all. Uh, and I have a nice story around that. It's, if I'm getting right, is said that certification, the process for small wine growers is not useful. But from the point of view of the consumers, how can be sure about products that I'm purchasing if it's not certified? Yeah, can I just qualify my answer? Uh, what, what, what I meant is that the carbon footprint certification, 
Okay, we we have a we have a scheme where we have a, uh, a certification mark that is awarded that can be put on products that show that they are members of the scheme and following the scheme guidelines. What when I was answering your question on certification, I actually uh, thought you were asking about uh, the actual uh, carbon footprint appearing on the bottle of wine, and I think that's something which you know is very is very difficult to um you know and very rather expensive uh to do on you know for a, for a smaller producer but certainly i think that it is you know that the, the and, producers and should group well. yeah i think you know uh, producers should group together and uh, uh form sustainable schemes like we have in the uk and work together to try and uh, mitigate climate change and um, you know, promote biodiversity and you know, so on and so forth. Uh, and can I so better qualify my previous answer? Because I, I do agree with Chris 100%, but I meant a uh, uh, sustainability uh, certification not limited to carbon footprint. And uh, also uh, because the story, and maybe this can also or partially answer to Pam question, uh, why the wine industry? I don't know what is happening in the other uh, supply chains, but uh, and the wine industry, the answer is that uh, because buyers ask, and uh, uh, personally, the story uh, goes back to more than 10 years ago. I remember when Directive 128 was issued, it was 2009, it's the directive about uh, the sustainable use for, uh, of pesticides. And every week we had someone, some producer entering the office saying, so already more than 10 years ago, asking for help because uh, uh, they, they, were be, they, they were having requests from the market about being sustainable. But the problem was that from Canada, uh, the meaning was to measure the carbon footprint maybe, but from Japan or Germany, the meaning was uh, to use uh, less or better in a better way pesticides and then from Scandinavia they started to say well yeah okay the environment is important we want to save the planet as well but the ethical pillar also is important mm -hmm. and so yes sorry I meant a certification in the overall on the three pillars is compulsory not only carbon footprint yeah yeah I And we were talking a little bit about sustainability on the beginning, and uh, he told me, I, I'm here, I saw it, I trust you, but my colleagues on the office, they will need a certification. So, like, Alice, you go, want to go a little bit deeper on this certification? Uh, yeah, I think that certification does matter but there's got to be some leniency as in order to create some action going forward you know i think the biggest barrier here in new zealand is that in order to get our certification through our biggest organization toy two is going to cost me as a little producer around six times the cost of my actual offset for one thing accuracy now 
I could have, you know, six times the impact by investing in these carbon reduced schemes. I've got all of that extra time off my um, on my plate to go through and do my carbon reduce systems and you know do better provisioning and all those sorts of things. So I'm weighing up what is you know what is having the higher impact. And for me as a founder, I'm making decisions, you know, based on you know an outcome in a hundred years time. Now you know, in a hundred years time, is anyone going to care that I've got a accurate, very, very scientific, accurate, you know, logo on my wines? No, they're going to care, or I'm going to feel better about myself being an old grandma, that I've, I've helped do the native reforestation. I've helped reduce my footprint as much as I can. I am making an impact by, um, by mitigating all of my carbon emissions to 200%. You know, that matters. And so I think that our certifications, yep, they are important because they are, you know, something that the consumer understands. But we've got to get really pragmatic about some of this because the accuracy is holding us back from doing the right thing. You know, let's start at 80%. Let's, you know, those numbers are easy. You know, in two or three years time, I'm thinking that, you know, that there is staggering amount of research going on in this space. That 80% can become 90% to 100% accuracy in time, you know, but at the moment, that's only a 20% leeway. If we're offsetting 200%, you know, that 20% in accuracy actually doesn't really matter. So my attitude is just get on with it you know, um, and stop overcomplicating the system by getting caught up on, you know, um, you know, two kilograms of CO2 here and three, whatever, you know, it doesn't actually matter. Our, our climate is warming and it is up to us to actually start making things happen and just start getting the ball rolling. And this is a continuum like anything in sustainability. You know, we just get better, the research gets better, better carbon offset providers come into the market they're more transparent you know the customers are starting to understand that they play a part too and how i see the industry looking in the next five years is that we start calculating and our customers start looking at a carbon footprint like they do calories you know we can you, i like it's, it's pretty the in New Zealand, it's pretty fair to say that a bottle of wine is around the 2.5 um, kgs um, of CO2 um, equivalency, right? Global averages, we're looking at maybe three and a half. Actually, not a lot. Anyone can offset that if they build that into their business model. It's um, And depending on what credits that you choose to offset with, right? It's really just that simple. And then if you... Um, the, and we can we should start looking okay a bottle of wine is 2.5 a bottle of whiskey could be a five you know a bottle or a pair of shoes could be seven you know I think that in time that we're going to start calculating or looking at each and every single product that we're buying every day based on the carbon footprint and I think all birds shoes are most definitely leading the way and that is not that hard I don't think that's um you know that 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 is not too far away. Yeah. Do you do you think or 
do you believe that one day all the wine industry industry will become carbon positive? 100%. And I think that 2050 is um, really unambitious. No, I yes. think that with the, I, th I think that like we need to do things a lot faster. You know, um, I watch a lot of David Attenborough and, you know, the, the science is written on the wall. You know, we have got to start doing things. But I think that the science and the technicalities is holding us all back. You know, let's take ownership of what's happening in the vineyards, you know, like, let's look at our, our carbon, let's look at, you know, nourishing our vines so they sequester more, you know, there are things that we can most definitely do, but I'm concerned that we're going to go down a route of absolute accuracy, and we're not going to have the time or capacity to be thinking about the little things that can be done, changing your light bulbs, changing your, your wine bottles, cho choosing a better labeling supply, all those sorts of things taking ownership of your waste and your product stewardship you know um yeah i i think it's coming and yeah at the moment the science is um is too accurate i i totally agree with alice on this you know the sort of necessity of of the wine industry leading the way i mean it's, i think in some ways we are in uh, uh mitigating against climate change i mean climate is just such an important part of what we do you know we've got to um and and so of course we've got to be active in it in in working against it and it's you know as i say it's a special product wine and uh you know we've really you know, as wine industries all over the world, we've really got to tackle, uh, you know, the, the climate change crack, uh, crisis and get positive, you know, get positive, you know, by 2030, never mind 2050. Um, you know, it's, it's really important for us. Stefan. Yeah, we are probably not as advanced as uh, our partners tonight, but yes, I do believe it, it is possible. And we also, uh, how can I say, we don't want to publish anything before we are sure because we need to, to be reliable. But yes, the, the, the pilot that we are doing is very encouraging. So yes, I do agree with them. I, I as I do, I think it will be something that will be part of our companies like uh, quality certification is like it's our must have or something that will we are not thinking we need to achieve this but it will be part of our days there's a few more questions i, I will not have time to answer everything but uh, here there's a a million dollar question which it's possible to know how to met uh, no it's not this one it's does anyone know how much of an impact the wine history industry can have on the climate change hmm. I think very small. And I think that will change region to region. Um, of course. I, th I think if you need to irrigate or not, if you sell Prosecco or. 
I, I, I think material impact, you know, will depend. I mean, such, yes, it's a, it is a, an important industry, the wine industry, but I think also that it, you know, it could have a philosophical impact, if you like. It, you know, it should encourage people to, uh, you know, to consider climate change. It's, you know, it's, um, and uh, you know, tackle climate change mitigation <coughs> in other in other ways. So as a direct impact, um, you know, I think certainly it's you know, probably won't have such an effect as uh, you know the IT industry, for instance, or uh, as transport. Uh, but um, you know, it people listen to the wine industry. You know, the, 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 it's an important product for a lot of people. They're interested in it, and so you know, we need to sort of. Uh, bring that message to our consumers about the importance of uh, mitigating against climate change and how you know uh, how carbon calculating is is absolutely fundamental to it. It's it's the first step to mitigating against carbon uh, against uh, climate change. Yeah, I agree with all of that, and we can't say as an industry oh, we've got a little footprint in comparison to an oil company, let's just leave them to sort it out. We've got a, we've got a social responsibility to do the right thing. And I think historically, other industries have looked at wine because we have led the way. You know, our product depends on our climate. You know, here in Hawke's Bay, uh, we were two and a half weeks early on our Chardonnay um, it was, you know, climate change is impacting the way that we make our wines, how our wines are grown. We can't turn a blind eye to it because the environmental impacts are affecting our wine quality, period. Uh, so, yeah, the relevancy of how much we're having an impact um, in the world, I, um, I think is not something that we should even, um, you know, sort of discuss we've just got to discuss doing the right things the little things make a big impact if we all start doing you know um, reducing our bottle weights and we all start you know increasing the soil um, carbon it makes a big difference right yeah absolutely uh, Alexandra sorry if I I don't want to put you in a difficult position, but can I use my last 30 seconds to answer, to try to answer I, to a I, question I, that I... I'm already in a difficult position, no worries. <laughs> no, I find this very uh, and, interesting. And then you pass the word to Marta again, no worries. Okay, great, sorry. No, should consumer pay more to cover added costs or would government help and so on? Yeah, it's, it's a good question and it's both because uh, uh, in Italy, there's a decree ready, and so there will be a help for uh, uh, farmers that uh, make uh, sustainable choices. I'm sure it's the same in France. But the real question, uh, we are now at the point that uh, it's not anymore how much money more I will earn with sustainability, but uh, producers uh, uh, must understand that without a sustainability, a valid sustainability claim, it will be difficult to sell wine in the future so it's 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 more and than yeah sorry uh, it's uh, when i talk about sustainability I, i'm always uh, try to explain when you talk about sustainability we always need to have very very clarified that we're talking about 
people, profit, and planet. And being sustainable on the winery and on the vineyard, sometimes in a very short time, it will make us save a lot of costs, like electricity, electricity, like water, like, and, and that just to, to give the last word, if you want, Stefano. So I, I would invite Marta to join us again. Uh, I was expecting you to do so. Thank you so much. I will, before I sum up, because I think you, there are key messages that each of you says that I really want to finish with them, but I do have one question and maybe a final message from each of you with, with a question that is on the board. We didn't speak about scopes. And I think when we speak about carbon calculating, I think it's important as I did in the introduction to, to know that there are three scopes, regardless of, I believe, of the uh, standard we're speaking about. So we have scope one, two, and three, and uh, each of you deals with different carbon uh, calculator tools. So how do you perceive the importance of measuring just carbon, uh, just for example, just scope one and two, or actually including, uh, scope three that when it comes to wine includes transporting that in most cases is not a, a service that is owned by the wine producer and therefore is not accounted in the in the calculation alice and you can actually answer as well since, since i'm asking the question that is a tough one <laughs> um Actually, can you come back to me? Yes. I to so that. I was asking about the three scopes yeah. that you can actually. I'll, I can give you an answer that for okay. me, uh, yeah. which is, as I say, what, um, you know, for, 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 our, for our scheme and for our growers, uh, we need to really deal with what we can control and what we can manage. Uh, I mean, I can understand possibly from a point of view of offsetting, uh, you can go into scope three, uh, but you know, from uh, but if it's just to calculate your carbon footprint in order to, in in, in order to do your bit, you know, your bit uh, about uh, against um, climate change, then you know, scope one and two are, are, are largely enough. Stefano. Yeah, and I agree with Chris. Uh, our approach, yeah, our approach is usually cradle to to gate, especially when we are dealing with farmers. And uh, I do agree. I was thinking that uh, not only your contribution uh, for changing the world is uh, what you can control, but even in a relationship with another person, you, what you can change is yourself. You can act on yourself. You're focusing on that primarily. Okay, Alice, you understand. Yeah. Oh, well, philosophically, like this is this is actually a really hard question for me because um you know like us young young ones we're living with this this climate issue and so for me i hand on heart believe that we can do a reduce in one and two but actually as a company or as a wine business scope three is really important because we need to start taking ownership of how the customer uses the end product 
how they are recycling the end of life all the way start to finish. You know, if we're giving them our wine in an unsustainable packaging form, that's, you know, a huge carbon footprint for them to recycle, it's too hard for them to recycle, we need to take ownership of that. So I, yeah, no, for me, one, two and three has got to happen. And if that means that we have to invest in, um, you know, carbon offsets, there are great projects that we can be investing and, and that's just the way it will have to be until we can start reducing our carbon footprint in our vineyards and our um, with our soils. Okay, Sandra, I, you can answer once I'm making the I'm asking the question. I mostly agree with Chris and Stefano. I even the scope trees very very important to measure as well. But it's very important to understand, as I told before, from whom it's the responsibility of the way of transportation, for example. Okay, and because we cannot be judged or evaluated by something that it's not our own decision. Okay, when we sell wine as a producer we cannot uh, tell to our customers you need to ship by sea because it has low emissions if you want to take the wine by plane at a certain point it's not our problem it's our problem in the end but it's something that we cannot control this would take us to another question that i'm not going to to ask i i i swear which would have to do with how this impacts the relationship with stakeholders because at the end of the day customers that take the transportation for example are part of the of the stakeholders but i'm not going there i think trying to summarize this talk that at the end of the day was aimed at small producers that in many cases do not have the means to invest uh to the, do not have the means to invest in carbon footprint cal calculation although we have a good example here alice of uh, a company that truly believes and it's a small producer but i think at the end of the day and keep and having your words uh and taking your words alice there's no reason without even measuring without even calculating for companies not start doing the right thing and if you want to start doing the right thing and again using your words start with the big fish or actually we put it the other way around as an organization we call it the low-hanging fruit and you call it the big fish which is the bottle and we've been it's been very clear here in this talk that's where you can start i mean there are other things you can do for example chris mentioned the organic matter of of soils for example but stefano also remembered us and i think that's a really important point that all this language that we're talking about here for thousands of wine producers out there is sorry to say chinese just because i don't speak chinese i don't it's in the sense that it's a new language and it's sometimes not clearly understood so i think it's our role on one hand to educate consumers uh, and on the other hand try to give an example and walk the talk to many other producers out there in a way that it's understandable to all of them and i think maybe uh you by your example stefano and chris because you speak with so many producers on a daily basis all of us in, in the audience 
So I think that's one of the the, po the points you said, uh, Alice, accuracy is holding us back from doing the right thing. That also, I know you're very passionate about carbon offsetting, but I think that has to do with action alone. It's not just calculating that it's going to make us do this. Chris, you said, look at what you're doing and make it better. I mean, it's so simple, isn't it? It's, it's really simple. So uh, let's just do it. I, I do hope this talk was useful to you all, even to you, uh, our guests, and hope you've learned from each other. We know there are many many questions that weren't answered. It's always very difficult to, to answer. Hopefully, we'll be able to chase these gentlemen and this lady here to try to answer. I can't promise that. And I do hope that you register for our next climate talk, which will be on March 18th. It will be way more no, I don't want to say controversial. It will be called a wine world beyond glyphosate. But bear with us because we would not, we do not want to go into a war zone. What we want in that discussion is to create a forum for talking about alternatives, as we know that many countries are phasing out this herbicide along with others. So what we want is to focus on the solution side as usual, not on the, on the controversial side. So bear with us. I hope you continue there and remember to join us. Thank you all. And bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Marta.